Welcome to another episode of Stat Stories, where we normally take a deeper look at statistical intrigue throughout professional sports, but today, the entire episode, all we're going to talk about is the NBA Finals that just wrapped up last night and the insane performance and insane outcome, regardless of how you want to interpret that. It was crazy. So, we are going to talk NBA Finals. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chad Shanks. And I am Justin Kabatko. So let's talk the NBA Finals in Stat Stories, Episode 10, The King. All right, Justin, so first things first. Was this the best NBA Finals performance ever? Was what LeBron just pulled off last night the best thing you've seen in your lifetime? Well, not last night. He was like 9 for 24 last night, but he didn't have a trip. But just overall. Yeah, overall. no, okay. Yeah, overall, it's so hard. It's so hard to look back on something that's so... Or look back and assess something historically when the event is so fresh in your mind because you always sort of want to side for the for the more recent happening. I don't know. It's, it's up there. It's up there in the top three finals performances I've ever seen, I would say. The series as a whole. Yeah, and it... It's crazy. That I've, I thought whenever we were going to do this this wrap-up podcast, it was just going to be about what a waste of damn time that whole series was because it was just one blowout after another. The Warriors looked like they just had it wrapped up after two games and that this was just going to be another another notch of shame in LeBron's belt. But, oh, my God, did this thing turn around. And we actually had a good game last night with a – the outcome decided on the the final shot more or less so but, but but it was somehow appropriate that it ended and i think i'm getting this stat right that the team's shot combined one for 17 down the stretch i mean it was just yeah no missed one shot no one after missed shot after missed shot and Kyrie finally hits the three-pointer that seals it you know and it was just it wasn't there were some outstanding individual plays, so I don't want to say it was just all bad basketball. But there were some bad basketball, too. There were open shots that were being missed that you would normally expect these players to make. But, yeah, at least it was a close game, like you said, because the first six were definitely stinkers in terms of being engaged all the way to the end. Yeah, but like no one's going to remember how bad that final stretch was or that LeBron's Game 7 wasn't anywhere as efficient as what he had been doing up before then because all they're going to remember is that that block that that chase down block right there in the closing second it was uh Iguodala right Iguodala uh Curry hit him on the break and then LeBron did his patented chase down and pin it against the backboard I mean that's the play we're gonna see whenever we just went through all the Kobe retirement packages showing Kobe's greatest moments that that block from LeBron is gonna be the closer on his like his hot career highlight reel problem. Well, they, I mean that was yeah. They have all these negative thes in Cleveland, right? They have the drive and the fumble and all these other things, but the block will definitely block. be a positive memory for Cleveland fans. That was that was amazing, amazing individual play. It's it's amazing that a guy that large is nimble enough to get up, block the shot, not foul, keep the ball in play. It was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, and it's a play he's been doing his entire career, and I just love. I was when I was watching, I was watching it with my wife, and I was trying to explain to her how just freaking incredible that that play is, but because having to, you're running full blast, and you can watch him like he's a lion, like on the on the hunt of a wildebeest, like sizing his prey up, 
And as he's like turning the corner, you can see his, him like shuffle his feet to get his timing down before he just leaps up and destroys them. I mean, that he's done it so many times, but to have it in that big of a situation, and like you said, such a risky play. If Iguodala takes a turn to the inside or something like that, and LeBron clobbers him with his knee, well, then you're putting him on the line for two easy shots. And it was, and it was somewhat close it, to a goaltend, too. I mean, just the timing. He timed it perfectly. Yeah. A split second later, it would have been already down or would have hit off the backboard and he couldn't have done anything. So with LeBron, we, we put up a our one of our recaps this morning, recapping kind of all the, the stats from Game 7 on our, on our blog at blog.statmuse.com. You can look through all of those. But the one that we talked about and everyone talked about was how crazy it was that LeBron led led this series in total for both teams total points rebounds assists steals and blocks and minutes like and turnovers and <laughs> minutes he like, just he just did everything and so everyone's kind of talking about this right now I want to get your thought what what's going to fuel the uh, the army of LeBron haters now because we've seen personally doing all the content that we have during the the playoffs anything you put out against lebron is just polarizing there's no there's no middle ground with it people either react saying that he's the goat he's the king he's the he's the greatest or people would just shit on it and shit on him and say what a horrible player he is so is it even possible to realistically hate on lebron after what he did in this series Realistically, no, but people are still going to do it. I mean, here's the thing, right? So he, before this year, he had lost four times in the finals. There's no way for him to change that. So no matter what he does, people are going to point that out. Well, Jordan was six and zero. Jordan was six and zero. Jordan was six and zero. So that they won't, you know, I don't. I don't think he can do anything to convince those people. Those four losses are on his resume. They're going to stay there. You know, they're not going to consider the fact that. The first time he went there with Cleveland, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was just such a mis- mis- mismatch. It was Cleveland had no chance in that series, um, and, and you know the year they lost to San Antonio when San Antonio just destroyed them in the finals, 2014. It was a clear mismatch that year, I thought as well. I mean, Miami was just not the team that San Antonio was that year. But people don't think about that. It's not going to stop because the internet is the internet, and people are stupid, and evidence. There's certain type of people that evidence will not convince, like regardless, whether it's political arguments or whatever. People, ev- there's some people that they do the Colbert thing, you know, they feel, feel the truthiness with their, with their gut. And there's, we can show them all the stats and how LeBron had historically one of the best finals and the career in the finals ever. It doesn't matter. And one of those haters, I'm sure you saw this, was... Um, renowned renowned LeBron lover Skip Bayless from uh I think we've crapped on him in this podcast a couple times before uh did you see his tweet last night I I I assume you're talking about the tweet where he said that Kyrie should be MVP in the series and not LeBron that's the tweet yeah no that was yeah well there was like two or three of them but the main one was like how is how could I'm paraphrasing of course how could Kyrie Irving not be named in finals MVP he had 20 in the first half and 41, but you know, blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. To where even Scott Van Pelt was dissing him and other ESPN people, who, of course, he's out the door, and so they can take their shots at him now. But why? 
why would you do that? Like, how do you do you have to be that that clueless to not realize what you've just seen? Even I, I think we've all hey. been duped over the years. I, I just think that that Skip's a carnival barker, and really he is just promoting himself. He's not really. I don't know if he even believes half the stuff he says. I think he's. It, you know, he did it with a smile, just knowing. He's just a, watch, watch this. He's just telling his friends, "Hey, well, hey, watch what, watch what's gonna happen." Exactly, exactly. It's like you know, they're gonna pay me millions of dollars a year to say asinine stuff. This is incredible. You know, so uh, yeah. If I get, maybe when he goes to Fox, it'll be just like yelling into a an empty void. Though I don't know if he's gonna anyone's gonna give an ear to his to his bullshit going forward. But that was just. I think it was. Um, who it is? It was a uh, Rich Eisen, former ESPNer, that tweeted about how it was just the perfect send away for Skip, the uh, longtime LeBron hater, is going to be parting ESPN after LeBron just made made his legacy. LeBron was already had a legacy, right? LeBron was already a first ballot Hall of Famer, Mount Rushmore type player. But I, that his performance last night, I don't know what other superlatives we can talk about. What else we could say that? that hasn't already been said that it was I'm having a hard time remembering anything that I've seen in my lifetime that was more impressive than that just to the point to where sitting there at the end where I think it was Spates like got the rebound was turning throwing a desperation three and LeBron's like holding his teammates back like you know telling them don't foul don't foul don't and then as soon as you see the shot go off I'm just just shaking my head and going oh my god I can't but can't believe what I'm seeing. No, I was stunned. I, I thought, thought for sure the Warriors were going to pull that game out. I just, it was amazing to me. I, I just could not believe the way the way it ended. It was, you know, Yokes, just all season long they've taken those those kinds of shots and they've gone down. And so you just kind of expect. I mean, like I remember every time Golden State took an open three pointer in the last like five six minutes, I would just like get to the edge of my seat and it was just clank clank clank. They were just. Could not hit those open looks. So, I mean, this is going to be every think piece across the internet coming up in the next few days. I mean, what do you think happened with the Warriors? What what went wrong? I wrote in the blog post today, I just think it was a simple case of them getting lebron I mean, there wasn't much else they could have done about it when someone just decides, gets it in himself that I'm going to take over a final series and just beat the hell out of you and what are you going to do about it? But I mean, is there is there more to it than LeBron dominating and them just simply not making shots? I, I think the Draymond suspension in Game Five was was huge, and a lot of people share that opinion. Um, as he showed last night, when he's locked in and he's not concerned about all the other silly stuff that's going on, he's just a fantastic player. He's a top fifteen player in the NBA. And to not have the... And plus, he's, he's sort of their emotional leader, right? I mean, like, Steph is sort of the leader by example, but Draymond is, is the emotional leader. And they didn't have, the, have him in a home game, game five, that could have won the series for them. And I think that really turned things around. I'm playing amateur psychologist here, which I hate to do. But, I, you know, I think that gave Cleveland some confidence. And then, of course, going back to game six, they just, uh, Cleveland was locked in. Golden State did not look ready to play. And then last night happened. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any sort of X's and O's answers to give you. Um, but I think Draymond getting suspended was huge. It was really, really big. 
Yeah, and I th if I can play amateur psychologist a little bit too, uh, you, you said that the Warriors just didn't look ready to play. And I think watching most of the series outside of the first two games, they they didn't look ready to play at all in any of the games. And you kind of watch, watch their body language, uh, Steph and Clay especially, just kind of loafing around out there and the times when you needed them to show like some fire and some some leadership and muster steph was just sitting there chewing on his mouthpiece like with the do 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 like he didn't like no it wasn't important so it was like they just looked they looked defeated the way they were walking around and i've of course um let me give this disclaimer i am not a body language expert i do not i'm just going by what i've observed from other human beings and other situations you know when your shoulders are slouched and your face is hanging low and your eyes are kind of droopy that tells me something about your mindset at the time and that that was my diagnosis for them to me it was kind of like they like everyone else just expected them to win this series. They were coming in as It, it looked degrees. to me like they felt that too. Like they thought they, you know, we Okay, so in some sense you should go into a series expecting to win, right? But it seemed to me yeah. like they thought they were going to win just by showing up. Like yeah, like it was just handed to them. Right. And you know, so, just going back to what you're saying about Steph. There were just I'm a Steph Curry fan. I'm not really a great big Warriors fan, but I'm I'm a Curry fan and I I kind of like him. Um but a lot of the things he did in this series, I just did not like at all. The body language you were talking about, um, the lazy turnovers, like that pass Very last night. That turnovers. pass last night was kind of like a behind-the-back flip to Thompson yeah. on the wing. It was just careless. It was Unnes unnecessary, completely unnecessary. And just you know, he let LeBron get in his head. LeBron was you know, block his shot and talk trash to him and stuff instead of just walking away. Would try to talk back to LeBron and then just. Yeah, just numerous things he did throughout the series. Complaining about his, the fouls that were called against him. He seemed like he was always you know, chippy with the refs, not liking the, call, the fouls that were called against him, which I agree in a lot of respects. He was called for some really ticky-tack touch fouls. But, um, yeah, I did not come out of that. If you had never seen Steph Curry play that much basketball before those finals and that was all you watched, I can't imagine you had a very positive opinion of him at the end. Yeah, I'm I'm like you. I like Steph. I I don't have a team that I consider my team anymore in the NBA, but anymore we anymore working, anymore. <laughs> we are working we're working for a, a stats related company and this is our first year running through it and we get to cover the Golden State Warriors. It was perfect for us because every night they were doing something amazing and record breaking. So I've I've loved watching them, watched a lot of them, and like gone on this this ride just being impressed by everything. And then they hit this series, and maybe it started at the, with the OKC, you know, series where some of the the cracks in their in their ship were exposed. But um, yeah, it's just that wasn't the same team that we've seen all series. And I'm not enough of an analyst to be able to point out and say. Cleveland completely shut them down and break down all the defensive schemes and say that, oh, it was Cleveland's defense that did it more than Golden State. I don't want to say choking under pressure. I mean, they've been in this situation before and closed it out, so you can't say that they're 
that they, they can't live up to the pressure. I mean, maybe we've done a podcast about choking before. I guess if you blow, you're the first team ever to blow a 3-1 lead in the finals, that's kind of the definition of choking. Maybe you've seen that differently. But yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't the team that they were all season. And the fun-loving team that just, where the game just came effortless. And there was a time, I think, where they, they turned heel, where... The Warriors became the ba- the bad guys in this series when officially when Steph chunked his mouthpiece and started acting like a little bitch after he got ejected. Like to me, I'm just, I know people get frustrated. People have their bad moments. Everyone happens, but to me, that moment was the Warriors' heel turn. And going into Game Seven, I kind of wanted Cleveland to win. Like the whole year, I wanted to see the Warriors finish it off, but. After all that and just seeing what LeBron was doing, I kind of I wanted the guy to be rewarded and you know let people in Cleveland have their fun. Was there any similarities with you there? Or did, absolutely, did you absolutely it, none. Okay, so let me let me keep it completely. Let me explain. Let me explain unbiased. a little bit here. I, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area, so there's a big rivalry rivalry with Cleveland, and so. Even though Pittsburgh doesn't have an NBA team, I find it very, very hard to root for any Cleveland team in any sport. Um, so well, you've had your fun then. You've had your whole lifetime of fun. So oh, exactly. Because actually, one of my friends the other day I was talking to him. He, he's a big Cleveland fan, and I was like, you know, in my lifetime, Pittsburgh teams have won 14 major pro sports titles. I was like, that's 14 more than your teams have won. So now, now, now he has. Now at least he has one. So now uh, my teams only have 13 more. But yeah, no. So like seriously though, like I'm I'm happy for guys like him because it's hard to imagine what it's like to be a like his in his whole life he's known nothing but disappointment when it's come to Cleveland pro sports. And so even though I I did want to see the Warriors win mainly for historical reasons, but also because um, like I said, I find it hard as a Pittsburgh person to root for Cleveland teams. But um, I'm glad for people like him. You know, people who are good people who have followed Cleveland teams all their life and have had nothing whatsoever to, to cheer about at the end. I'm glad they have something to make them feel happy today. Yeah, well, and you're living in Ohio now, so I was wondering, like, do you can you look outside your window and see, are, are there just parades going up and down every street? Are businesses open right now? Is everything yeah, closed? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Columbus. A, Columbus is really, it's, a big it's, pretty, party. it's pretty neutral. I mean, there's a lot of transplants in Columbus. Obviously, there's more Cavs fans than anybody else, but... I didn't hear any explosions last night or anything after the after the game was over. And you you said something interesting, which was why I wanted the Warriors to win initially too, was to see history, was to see them finish off this incredible run and make themselves arguably the the best single season team of all time. But as the series went on, you saw even if they would have closed it out last night, they they were losing any footing in that so-called argument about best team ever as Golden State or as uh, Oklahoma City pushed them to seven and then the Warriors were mounting that come or the excuse me the Cavaliers were mounting that comeback against them that argument was already kind of started to fade away so which I mean which history do you think was more important I mean the history of seeing a 73 win team finish it off or the history of seeing LeBron and the Cavs with the most epic comeback in finals history i mean we saw history either way i don't know if one is worth more than the other 
Uh, yeah, it's all in the eyes of the beholder, I guess. I, you know, and and given that I I said that I'm not really a big fan of either team, I was kind. Of, at the end of the game, I was I was satisfied with the outcome. I would have been satisfied either way, I think. Um, but like I said, it, it was it was good to see Cleveland fans who I like get something to cheer about. Well, one of the beholders who weighed in on that argument was uh, Dennis Rodman. Did you see his his tweet? I did not, but I'm sure it was extremely insightful. What, what did he say? <laughs> he said it was congratulating the Warriors on a great season, but the 95-96 Bulls are still the, the best team ever. And, you know, you know why why kick them when they're down, Dennis? But you know it's Dennis Robin. I don't know what we expect. So I guess we've kind of, we've kind of been we've kind of been saved in internet full of that argument for the rest of time about which team was the the best ever. Because some people are still gonna stick with the Bulls, even if the Warriors would have won eighty games and marched through the playoffs. So maybe we can we can thank LeBron for that. Because he's taken away, he's taken away that that argument from us to where we're not going to have to have that podcast where we say which of these teams is better, and he's taken away any rational person who wants to say he's not one of the five ten best players of all time. No, you don't. Those you don't. People, you don't have to go to ten. You just stop at five. You, you don't have to go. Who to was 10. someone said? Uh, was it Bar- It was Barkley. Someone asked Barkley, and Barkley said he still didn't think LeBron was one of the the top five players of all time did he but, did he name who he has ahead of him maybe i don't know I, I i think i just saw the headline i didn't actually read into it because it was barkley and i'm like whatever i'm kind of tired of your shit charles <laughs> even though, i mean he's entertaining he's super entertaining and i don't know if he's i'm still trying to make up my mind on barkley because he's always his whole career and life has just said whatever he feels with no filter but i'm wondering if years in tv he's kind of been coached too to take take that skip bayless approach of you know just keep saying something inflammatory and keep saying something that's going to rile people up because saying lebron is one of the best five players ever isn't as doesn't get as much no one's going to put that as a story but whenever you say something negative then the story the headline is barkley thinks lebron isn't one of the best players of all time because the conflict is the story right right so i don't i don't know where i'm going with all this this rant but Here's another rant for you. And this is, what I, this is what I was thinking. We've kind of touched on a little bit of this with the Warriors kind of coming in, maybe maybe feeling entitled to win the series. That might be a strong that might be a strong term, but and then seeing whenever things didn't go well for them in the, in the series just kind of buckling down under pressure or pouting and throwing their mouthpiece. I was is I was thinking about it was just the perfect example of the Warriors being this millennial team or this team this team for the millennial generation, you know, that were built on Wait, wait, quick, is this gonna be an old man rant? Old man rant? No, listen, 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 they're built built on these, you know, quick, rapid fire little snippets of highlights and fast and running up and down. Instant and gratification, right? Instant gratification, but and then just expecting everything to be handed to you on a silver platter and whenever old man lebron comes up and says no bitches you have to work for this you know they kind of well i don't want to or i deserve this and it kind of goes 
Maybe I'm just more disappointed in the Warriors. Yeah, no, I, I guess expected... I think. I mean, like what they did against Oklahoma City, coming back from three-one down. That that. Based on what you're saying, they should have just folded the tent at that point, right? So they did come back there, and then in the first four games of this series, it certainly looked like they were going to put the the Cavs away without much trouble. So I don't know. I guess with uh, Steph Steph's new Under Armour shoes, I can't make any. Uh any complaints about them being too millennial if he's going to release his old man shoes and of course people were saying that everything went downhill as soon as those shoes were released and that's whenever they they all started crumbling because Steph was too upset that people were making fun of his shoes which I make some stupid arguments on this podcast but I'm not even gonna go there I don't think his shoes had anything to do with it but I do think I might be onto something about this, the Warriors being the team, this millennial, this millennial team. There'd be a lot of people that I think would jump on that because people, a, just like to shit on the millennial generation because we don't really understand them, and b, stupid things are the are the backbone of the internet. <laughs> I don't even. Am I a millennial? I don't even know what's the cutoff for that. I I, I don't know. I think I it's, like I think the, it's if you were in their twenties, if, if your formative years were in the early, you know, in the two thousands, I would think, right. Um, so you're talking. Yeah, so mine were in the '90s. Talking about people, maybe what, like uh, I don't know, mid-teens to mid-twenties, something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's not me. That's all I know. It's not me. No, it's definitely not you. It's definitely not you. You're Generation X. Is it? That's what it was called, right? I don't know. Is that the '80s? I mean, that was when I was. Those were my form, formative X, years. Generation X was in like the in the '90s because I only remember that because of Degeneration X because they used to love the attitude wwf era with Shawn michaels and triple h and all of them so they they took that as their namesake i forget what's generation x and what's generation y and any of that shit but no i, I, I think i think is, generation x is is people from like the uh early 60s to the early 80s so that would be my generation and then the baby boomers are before that exactly anyway so this warriors i still think there's something there you may think i'm this this may be just a half formed idea, but half baked hot, hot take. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> this is, it's a it's a lukewarm take at best. But them as being this perfect team that represents the millennial ideals or whatnot, I, I don't know. There might be something there. I don't know. So you know, one thing I, I wanted to bring up was the coaching change uh, from Blatt, David Blatt to Ty Lue. And not just, I don't really want to get into the X's and O's changes or anything. What I think was really neat, though, is first of all, this is the third time that a coach who took over after the season started won the NBA championship, which I was surprised. Three's, I thought it would be maybe one or two, but it's the third. It seems high. Three actually seems high. And also what's really interesting is the Penguins, who won the Stanley Cup, also did the same thing this year. They fired their coach around midseason and replaced him. And they won the championship. So that's, that's really interesting that in, in two sports, you had the teams that won it made coaching changes during the season. Do you think, I mean, of course, we're, this is speculation. Cause like you said, we don't really know. I mean, how, how much of a difference could that have really made getting rid of David Blatt? Because they were already, they were already number one, the best team in the East at the time. And number two, we, we already knew that he was a figurehead. LeBron's running that team. We all know it. He's my guess is just yeah my guess is it, was, it made a difference more in terms of morale than anything else. It just they just seemed to be a franchise with a dark cloud hanging over their head when Blatt was around. And it wasn't I don't think it was 
through any fault of David Blatt's. I think he was a perfectly fine head coach, given the, the circumstances he had to deal with. Um, but I think it was clear that LeBron didn't really like or respect Blatt, and the change was necessary just to sort of get that dark cloud that I described off, yeah. off the team. Well, they had the same thing with Eric Spolstra with the Heat and that remember LeBron walking off the court that one time and like bumping him with his shoulder and the, the, they did the same rigmarole with all of that and that worked out okay. Well, for I think them, Spolstra, but... he's turned out to be a really good coach, I think. I mean, you know, the, yeah. they haven't fallen completely apart without LeBron. He's kept them competitive and I, I think he's showed that he's a very, very, very capable NBA head coach. And it would have been a mistake to get rid of him. Yeah, and I think, like you said, a lot of times on the professional levels, the coach isn't so much the X's and O's and the game plan and stuff as he is the morale and keeping egos in check and making sure players are, are happy and content. That there's, there's a lot of that that goes into it, that everyone just considers all they do is make the, subs, make the substitutions and draw up plays on the clipboard or in Steve Kerr's situation, you know, punch your hand right through a clipboard. But yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on to it. And a lot of that stuff that, you know, I've seen from experience doesn't ever make it out into the public. And it has to do more with how a coach interacts with players and how it players feel around a coach rather than how good he is at X's and O's and drawing up plans when well, you said but then keep, the- you said keeping egos in check and sometimes it's not that it's letting guys with big egos um kind of get their way which is what i think Run happened here i think you know i think lebron very clearly has a huge ego which i probably would too if i was the best player in the world yeah. so um you know i don't think anything lou did was to sort of you know keep lebron from from uh, taking over, I, I think really it was more of all right. Well, this is LeBron's ship. Let's let him sail it. You know, for for better or for worse, and turned out for better for them. Yeah, and now Tyron Lou is going to be remembered for more than just the guy who got stepped over by Allen Iverson. So good for him. Yeah, it's good it's, for Tyron Lou. Yeah, you, you don't want your career highlights to be someone teabagging you. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> or you don't want to wreck your uh, your team's chances at the NBA Finals by slapping another player in the nuts, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Draymond Green. All right, so kind of to wrap this up a little bit, I think we've we've had a good little talk here. What do you think the future holds? Does anything? Do anything we see in this series change the trajectories for these teams these players the league as a whole is there is there anything going forward that we're going to glean from this apart from holy crap that was an amazing ending so there's a couple interesting stories one would be what's going to happen with kevin love it's obvious he's not a good fit with lebron he played really well last night he had 14 rebounds he was plus 19 but it's just he just he's not a fit you know he just doesn't doesn't fit into the style of play that LeBron wants. It doesn't seem like anyway, because Love is is a guy who needs touches. He needs to get his shots, and he's not going to get that in Cleveland, I don't think. So what's going to happen with him? Well, what's going to happen is as soon as they say they want to get rid of him, there will be 29 teams working the phone trying to get him. Like he's 
he's a phenomenal player. And he, of course, kind of disappeared a couple games in the series and got crapped on a little too much, in my opinion. He's a great player. He will could easily get back to that all-star form again. But if who are you going to get? I mean, who are you going to replace Kevin Love with that's going to be on that that same level? Right. No, Tris- I, I mean, I, I agree. Tristan Thompson essentially doing the the role that they expected from Love. Is that what they is that what they wanted from him? I don't wouldn't think so. I mean, I, you know, I think what they wanted Love to do was to be more accepting of the role, sort of like Chris Bosh was. I mean, if you look back, Bosh had to really change his game to work with LeBron. Uh, yeah, when, when Bosch was in Toronto, he was much more of a post player, much more of a mid-range post player type guy. Uh, and in Miami, he had to, you know, he had to add the three-point shot to his arsenal because he, he could not just stay in the post because that that's a little, that's what LeBron wanted to do. He want, LeBron wanted to drive. He wanted the lane open, and he couldn't have Bosch standing there. And you know, same thing kind of happened with Love. Love, yeah, he's a good shooter, but he's also a good post player and. LeBron didn't want him there. Yeah, and it's hard for him to grab 20 rebounds a game when he's having to clear out to let LeBron in there. Right. I mean, there was one game but, in the finals. I forget what game it was exactly. But Love essentially just was running like from three-point line to three-point line along the baseline. Like, he was not involved at all. He was just doing nothing. And, I mean, that has to be very frustrating for him because he knows he's one of the top players in the NBA. And, really, he was not much more than a role player in the finals. Yeah. Well, he got his ring, and the trade worked out for everyone. Cleveland got the title. Uh, Minnesota, maybe as soon as next year, might be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, the future looks good for them. So I don't know. Everyone has to be happy with that deal. And whatever team ends up picking up Kevin Love, even if they do, they'll they'll be happy with a big man that that stretch four everyone always wants who can step out and pop the three. I want to ask. I want to ask your opinion on the three-point shooting because that's we're as guilty as anyone of fetishizing. It might be a strong term, but it's no secret that the three-point shot has just gotten insane and out of hand this season. And the Warriors broke their own record from last year of threes attempted and threes made in a in a final series. But as we saw, they they lived and died by it. You know, they lived from October until early June and then died in middle slash late June. So do you think, you know, seeing what happened to them is going to cause any team to maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit? Or are we, are we still going full forward with three-point bombings at every NBA arena for the near future? I think we're still, the foot's going to be on the accelerator. Um because if you look at what Cleveland did in the playoffs, they weren't any slouch from the three-point line. They were they were setting three-point records of their own, and I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I believe like the number of threes they attempted and made in the finals was near the top all time. So, you know, it's not like Cleveland won because they had this old-fashioned uh, style mid-range jumpers and post game. You know, what I mean, they were shooting a lot of threes. It's just they did not do it at quite the level that Golden State did. Yeah, I'm just trying to think ahead that there's going to be some... The way that you get ahead in this league is by thinking, you know, like the contrarian. Thinking against the grain and seeing things that other people don't see. And a few years ago, it was 
people seeing how much more valuable the three-point shot is and just wondering that I, I don't have enough of opinion on this to say this definitively but I just I wonder if some basketball mind out there saw what happened to them and saw the uh, the the chink in the Warriors armor to uh, which uh, you're not supposed to use that uh, analogy well, we're not talking about Jeremy basketball. Lin so it's yeah fine. sorry yeah sorry didn't mean no offense to anyone by that, but you know, I think they saw the, the weakness in the uh, the Warriors' game plan to where if you just take away that three-point shot or if they're simply just not hitting it, that they they didn't fall apart. But it was it was ugly basketball there for a while. It's, it's a high-risk, the... high high-reward strategy, right? And they didn't get the high reward this time. Do you think it's... This is a very subjective question. Do you think it's better for the league to have the biggest superstar win the title the way he did or would it would have been better for league popularity or league growth for the the team that everyone loves the hot shot young team to close it out i i think it was they were in a the league was in a a no-lose situation there i think it was a win-win yeah, win. i mean you know so you have the premier player of his generation taking the city that hasn't won a title in 50-some years and delivering on his promise when he returned. Or you have you know, the, the fun-loving bunch from the Bay who shoot three-pointers every time down the court and have the lovable little superstar. I, I, like I said, I don't think the league could really lose there. They had a they had, um, win-win situation no matter what happened. Yeah. yeah, they are printing money left and right this series, and good for them. That's good for everyone, right? We're... We're a sports company, so it trickles down to us, right? That's right, trickles. Isn't, isn't that how it works? I, I believe so, something like that. Hey, you know, going back to, to talking about guys, you know, well, what will happen to these teams going forward. So do we talk about what does LeBron James do? Because he has an out. Well, what's he going to do? Where's he going to go? That's, I don't even want to do this. That's so stupid. But that's gonna, everyone's going to be talking about this. Just opt in tomorrow, LeBron. Like, take a cue from uh, Richard Jefferson last night didn't waste any time. He's covered in champagne and goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. I'm retiring. Like, LeBron, just at the parade tomorrow or next day whenever they do it, just get up there and say, oh, I, I, by the way, I opted in. Like, you're not going anywhere. Like, stop. Don't even drag this out. Really? Where, where I mean, is he going to go? Okay, but did you did you expect him to go to Miami? No, but okay. Expe- did you expect him, him to leave. go back to Cleveland? No, I was uh, saying I didn't expect him to go to Miami, but I expected him to leave. Like I think most people thought he was going to leave at that point. I'm just saying I, but, I I think I don't think LeBron always does what you think. Uh, LeBron doesn't do what people think he should do necessarily. LeBron does what he wants to do, and it would be it would be image suicide if he left Cleveland again. Yeah, I mean it's a little better because he could say, "Look, guys, but okay, I but give let, like, look one, at, look I give you this he... parting gift, but that it would be image suicide to which he would not be able to come back from." Right, but how many people were saying that after he left Cleveland the first time? Yeah, but he still had like <laughs> years ahead of him to to right the wrong. This I know, be... and, but now he has like he he's come back. He's led them to this title that they haven't won in years and years and years. And I'm... now what? And now he's going to go to the Bucks, or now he's going to go to the Bucks, but like. Go to, go to Miami. Go to the Clippers. Play with, play, play with your buddy Chris Paul. I don't believe I'm that. just conspiracy saying. Conspiracy theory nonsense. Uh, no, this is. It's not a conspiracy. This is your, this is your Pittsburgh ass, like just hating on 
Ohio's happiness right now. You need to just be happy for your friends and neighbors. I'm just saying, enjoy it now, people. Rejoicing. Enjoy it now. No chance in hell that he leaves. So you say Cleveland. you you would if you had money to bet, you would place it all on LeBron returning to Cleveland. Yes. Okay. No, he is not leaving Cleveland. Is okay. that is that a prop bet? Is that a prop bet? Everything's a prop bet in Vegas, right? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Well, because you can bet on anything. You can oh, bet yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. They had odds on the uh, Game of Thrones. I, I'm sure you can place money on... Which going to die? I'm sure you can place money on LeBron staying or going right now. What would you? What are your odds? What do you think the odds are of him leaving? I say 0.01. No, I say there's like a 2% chance he leaves. Why did you waste my time with this shit then? You know, bringing up a 2% chance like it's a real argument. God damn it. You can just cut this whole thing. No, I'm leaving it in. I want people to know how much of my time that you waste. And I'm going to cut out all of my tangents that, that go nowhere. All right, but here's my... All right, let's let's close this. It's good and nice. We're going downhill fast. Here's, a, all right, here's my hot take for what we're going to have to endure. After LeBron eventually opts back in, and we don't have to worry about that nonsense anymore, the, the new hot take is going to be that Steph Curry is overrated. I mean, it's already kind of starting, but that I think that's those are the think pieces we're going to have to deal with going forward, that Steph is overrated, Steph is doesn't come through in the clutch, um, Steph's wife needs to not be on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And then Riley Curry's not that cute, which is a, a lie straight from the pits of hell because that was the problem. We didn't have her having more press conferences this finals. Everything would have been better if Riley was involved. But the real hot take, that's can you foresee that coming, Steph, the overrated unanimous MVP? Yeah, it's probably coming. And it, I, I don't know. Like, I think after watching these finals, Steph is not a guy that can carry you by himself. LeBron is, but Steph is not. Steph needs the help of his teammates more than LeBron does. I think it's clear. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. LeBron, with the ball in his hands or even on the other side of the court, can completely take over a game. And that's what we were saying about Steph all season was how Steph can get going and completely take take over a game. But we. I think we saw in this series that there there are some limitations to his game, and I'm not going to go as far as making that hot that hot take that Steph. I don't think he's he's overrated. We may have gotten a little too excited at the flashiness of his game, but I mean the dude's still top two player in the league right now. Oh yeah, no, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get a dump on Steph. I'm just saying that uh, Steph is the perfect player in the perfect system. I'm not sure Steph has that success with other teams. I think LeBron could go to any team in the NBA almost and take him to the finals. Look, he did it last year. Yeah, he went he went to Cleveland, shell of a team. He took he's taken worse teams to the finals. So, yeah, that's that's my big takeaway from this finals and this this NBA series which I really have enjoyed which after everything I went through I didn't think I would enjoy NBA basketball again but I really enjoyed just the excitement of the Warriors but then at the end of the day LeBron just reminding people whose league this is so that's that's my takeaway from the season you yeah I mean so yeah I obviously had a different perspective 
than you did because I didn't, um, you know, my I, I didn't question whether or not I was still going to like the NBA after after a, a bad incident. Um, but yeah, the same thing. It was it was a fun season. The regular season, I was probably more engaged than any other season just because of the way the Warriors started. And then Definitely. given that start, are they going to get the 73 wins? So that was exciting just to kind of follow that all season long. And then, you know, the playoffs, when you're wondering, okay, is it all going to fall apart here in the conference finals? Have they blown it? They're down 3-1. to one. They come back to win that. And then the whole redemption story in the finals with LeBron finally bringing Cleveland a title. I mean, all in all, start to finish, this season had a great narrative. Yeah. And that's it. Let's put a pretty bow on it. That's going to wrap it up for not only the NBA season, but this first kind of mini season of stat stories. We thank everyone who somehow stumbled across this and listened to it. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We know that there are thousands of podcasts you could listen to. So thank you. We're going to continue doing this uh, throughout the summer and fall as Stat Muse continues to add more sports. Justin and I will try to convince you that we know what we're talking about when it comes to baseball and football and things like that so feel free to send either of us messages or stat news messages letting us know what you think and what we can do to get better so please check out our blog blog.statmuse.com we're going to have this audio embedded on there if you've downloaded it through itunes or google play or something like that and we'll have a few little tidbits embedded stats videos things like that that we mentioned throughout the podcast Again, thank you very much for listening. My name is Chad Shanks, he's Justin Kabatko, and this has been another episode of Stat Stories. Stat Stories.